Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Josh Carr Show. It is good to be with you today. And you may notice that there are a few things different visually and audio today. The first being, I'm going to bring it up, you can kind of see it in the bottom right. I have a new microphone and it is much nicer. It's going to be really loud, I'm going to get close to it. Um, the audio quality should be so much better for the show and this is made possible by you guys. It's made possible because of the sponsors that I have in the viewership like you guys. So thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure this will be much more pleasing experience both on YouTube as well as Apple Podcasts. For those of you who are just listening, I'm sure this sounds worlds better. So I'm really grateful for all of your support. If you haven't subscribed yet, please consider going down below and subscribing for more content so I can continue to put the money that I make from it back into the show, making it higher and higher quality. Um, as well as I do have some new lighting schemes. Uh, the set is just a little bit changed, and so I hope overall the quality is better. Thank you so much for your support one more time. As always, this episode is sponsored by Gulag America. Gulag America is an amazing apparel company that I've partnered with that creates patriotic clothing. Now, as pumpkin spice latte season approaches, I don't know about you, but here in Utah, it's getting a lot colder. I have, I, it's not quite out yet, but I will be sending it out. So don't worry, I'll, I'll put it on all my social media and my YouTube. They're making a special Josh Car Show sweatshirt. Uh, so you'll definitely want to check them out at gulagamerica.com. If you use my code JoshCar10, you will get 10% off. And then, of course, if you're like, you know what, your show, your, your show isn't quite cool enough for me to wear a sweatshirt, they have way better logos as well. So please go check them out. They make us fantastic gifts as well as we enter the holiday season. So please consider giving them a look. Again, use my code JoshCar10 for 10% off at gulagamerica.com. Getting into the news, everyone. Uh, there was some really big news this week, and there was some news that really means a lot to me as a content creator and as a political commentator, and that is, of course, the news with Russell Brand. So in basically in a joint investigation by the Sunday Times in the UK, Russell Brand has been investigated and accused of rape uh, for four women. And if you don't know who Russell Brand is, by the way, Russell Brand used to be an actor. I guess he still probably considers himself an actor, but he's turned more into a political commentator. I don't know if he would necessarily say that he's conservative, but he definitely jives with the conservative side. I think he probably would consider himself more classic liberal. But at this point, a classic liberal is a conservative. That's just the way it is. Uh, so if you listen to any of what he says, it's really awesome. And if you're a conservative at heart, it's going to jive with you. Uh, he's the only thing I've ever seen him in as an actor was he was in Bedtime Stories, which is like a movie that I saw growing up with Adam Sandler. It's actually a pretty good movie. He's like super weird in it. Uh, he's weird, I think, in a lot of his movie roles is what I've heard. But now he's a political commentator. Uh, just to give you an idea, I don't want to leave you guys just talking about him. I want to show you a clip of him on Bill Maher just to give you an idea of the kind of things he says. Take a look at this clip. Yeah. I wonder whether or not the $14 trillion that, that have been granted to the Pentagon, 55% of which has ended up in the hands of the military-industrial complex, which surely American people are becoming weary of, needs occasionally to be boosted with fanciful ideas of extraterrestrial invasion. Maybe there needs to be a continual reminder that the skies themselves could become a threat 
unless Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, BAE Systems continue to profit. Elsewise, a balloon, a perfect metaphor, for it is naught but hot air, nothing inside it, shot down by a $400,000 missile, might be coming for your family. Okay, sorry, I, went that, I made that clip go way too long, but it's literally so good. The way that he expresses what's going on, especially in the deep state, which is what he specifically focuses on in a lot of his podcasts, I just get carried away. It's so good the way he talks about it. And that clip is like one example of how he does it. He does it in so many different ways. Um, I think the way I think about it for Russell Brand is he's kind of the bridge from conspiracy to like, this is actually happening. Obviously, we talk about this a lot on the show, but we're seeing more and more conspiracy theories that are actually turning to, out to be like totally legit. And so, I don't know, we're kind of entering this era of like, someone says it's a conspiracy theory and you're like, all right, the odds of that being true is like 50% at this point. Um, we all, we saw it with Alex Jones a lot. A lot of what he was talking about with like Epstein Island, for instance, that was just a conspiracy theory in the early 2000s. Now, literally, Hillary Clinton murdered Epstein in his cell in order to keep him from talking about her. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a side note. But he does a really good job of showing off these issues uh, in the deep state and talking about them in really just clever ways where you're like, how did I not believe that already? Um, but in any case, that is who Russell Brand is. So according to the BBC, four women accused him of rape between the years 2006 and 2013. And these happened in the different places he's worked. He's worked a lot in media, both in acting and in the news. Uh, so he's actually worked for the BBC. I think that's one reason why they made this article. Um, but I have a question, and this is a legitimate question. And by the way, I want to say that if these women were raped, which I don't know, I have all the sympathy in the world for them. And I believe that rape victims ought to be protected. And I believe rapers or rapists ought to be uh, castrated and um, and even the death penalty should be enforced in many cases. So with that away, put away, I have an interesting question for people, um, what they ought to do, right? Like just thinking logically about someone ought to do. So what would be a normal per thing for someone to do if they were seeking justice? And I'm not even saying in the, the case of a rape necessarily, I'm just saying in general, a normal person would contact the authorities, the police or the justice, whatever that means. Obviously, a lot of these rape victims were in the UK, so it's different over there. But you would presumably go towards the authorities, someone that had actually control over the just, over justice, since that's what you're trying to achieve. And you would do this in a fairly timely manner. Now, obviously, there are rape victims that they feel um, ashamed or they feel uh, just different feelings of embarrassment. And I have the sympathy for that. But we're talking about things that happened in 2006. Um, instead, what these women did is they decided to wait until Russell Brand was a famous political commentator and not to con not con contact the authorities, but instead contact the news media uh, and social media outlets as well. And so it, it just kind of begs the question, does this sound, do these women um, sound like people who want justice or people, or do they sound like people who want attention? And again, I don't know whether or not Russell Brand raped them because, and, and by the way, if there are people on the internet saying one way or another, I think that's dangerously arrogant because they just weren't there. And there's so far, there's like very few pieces of evidence or even like the story of these rape allegations. They just don't exist. And so for anyone to be like, oh yeah, he definitely did it. Or even no, he definitely didn't. I think unless they know him personally, if, any, if, if they know him personally and they want to defend him, totally go for that. You know his character as a person. But for those of us who don't know him 
or don't know the rape victims uh, or the potential rape victims, it is dangerously arrogant to say one way or another. So I just don't know what happened. The presumption, however, in our culture now is that you're guilty until proven innocent. And that's a serious problem. Let me say that again. You're guilty until proven innocent. It used to be the other way around, right? It used to be innocent until proven guilty, but immediately everyone just jumped on Russell Brand being guilty. And of course, that makes sense since he is a right-wing extremist. Um, if you're like Jeffrey Epstein or Glenn Maxwell, for instance, you really deserve due process and the presumption of innocence. But if you're Russell Brand, who talks about conservative politics, you don't deserve that at all. Uh, and, that, and that's how our culture kind of goes right now. And uh, I think, um, I mean, just speaking logistically and logically about this, having a false rape um, allegation against you can be just as damaging to your reputation as actually being the rape victim itself. And I do not say that lightly um, because I've had friends who have been falsely accused of rape and it really destroys their lives. So basically this is what happened. And then this is why, this is the real reason why this is big news. Obviously this happens a lot to celebrities, politicians, and I think it's awful if there's no actual evidence to corroborate the story of those who are accusing but this is where it gets really crazy, guys. The tech overlords at YouTube, hey guys, I, I hope you're watching. <laughs> uh, they immediately demonetized Russell Brand. No evidence. Um, they they don't know where, whether he did it or not. Russell Brand hasn't come out and um, publicly attacked these women, uh, though he has spoken to it, but he hasn't publicly attacked them. And this is where things start to get even crazy. So YouTube did this. They've done it with other people like Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles. And I think that's really terrible in its own right. But they didn't even go off of what he said. Because with the case of like Matt Walsh, for instance, or just other conservative political commentators, they've taken them down because they've made deliberate personal attacks on people. And I don't, I don't agree with them censoring them. But this is very different. What's happening with Russell Brand is that they are hearing these allegations and they're just assuming they're true and they've completely demonetized him. So this is where it gets even crazy and where I'm gonna have to do some reading, guys, just to give you a full picture of what happened. The UK Parliament, okay, Russell Brand is a citizen of the UK. The U, and, and a lot of these, uh, these rape allegations happen in companies such as the BBC in the UK. The UK Parliament sent Rumble, if you don't know what Rumble is, they're the kind of uh, competitor to YouTube right now. Uh, they have a policy of like not censoring people. Um, the UK Parliament sent Rumble a letter to get them to demonetize Russell Brand's content. The UK Parliament, like the government. I, and then there was a little bit of a back and forth between them and Rumble. I'm going to read it for you guys. Uh, it's really astonishing. and But it does, it does represent a huge victory for free speech. Not even conservatism, but just free speech in general. Um, first, let me find... Let's see. Okay. This is the letter from the UK Parliament to Rumble. Says, Dear Chris, I believe Chris is the CEO of Rumble. I'm writing concerning the serious allegations regarding Russell Brand in the context of him, of his being a content provider on Rumble with more than 1.4 million followers. The cultural, the culture, media, and sport community is raising questions with the broadcasters and production companies who previously employed Mr. Brand to examine both the culture of the industry in the past and whether that culture still prevails today. So, okay, they're doing an investigation. Fair enough, that's fine so far. We continue on. And this isn't a super long letter, we're about halfway done. 
They continue by saying, however, we are also looking at his use of social media, including on Rumble, where he issued his preemptive response to the accusations made against him by the Sunday Times and Channel 4's dispatches. While we recognize that Rumble is not the creator of the content published by Mr. Brandt, we are concerned that he may be able to profit from his content on the platform. So literally they're saying, we don't know if this guy, there's an investigation into Russell Brand. We don't know if he's done it or not, but really concerned that he could actually be making money right now. They continue on by saying, we would be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand is able to monetize his content. That's classified. I don't know why they would have any right to that information, including his videos relating to the serious accusations against him. If so, we would like to know whether Rumble intends to join YouTube in suspending Mr. Brand's ability to earn money on the platform. We would also like to know what Rumble is doing to ensure that creators are not able to use the platform to undermine the welfare of victims of inappropriate and potentially legal behavior. Yours sincerely. I don't even know how to say her name. It's either Dame or Dame. Um, I'll say Dame. Caroline Denage. Denage. I don't know. British names. They're crazy. Okay. So basically, they have contacted a private American company and asked for personal information on Russell Brand and then basically applied pressure to them saying, by the way, I don't, we don't really care what the answer is. You should just demonetize them like YouTube. This is what Rumble said in response. They posted it on, on X, uh, formerly Twitter. This is what they said. Today we received an extremely disturbing letter from a committee chair in the UK parliament. While Rumble obviously uh, deplores sexual assault, rape, and all serious crimes and believes that both alleged victims and the accused are entitled to a full and serious investigation, it is vital to note that recent allegations against Russell Brand have nothing to do with content on Rumble's platform. Just yesterday, YouTube announced that based solely on these media accusations, it was barring Mr. Brand from monetizing his video content. Rumble stands for very different values. We have devoted ourselves to the vital cause of defending a free internet, meaning an internet where no one arbitrarily dictates which ideas can or cannot be heard, or which citizens may or not be entitled to a platform. We regard it as deeply inappropriate and dangerous that the UK Parliament would attempt to control who is allowed to speak on our platform or to earn a living from doing so. Singling out an individual and demanding his ban is even more disturbing given the absence of any connection between the allegations and his content on Rumble. We don't agree with the behavior of many Rumble creators, but we refuse to penalize them for actions that have nothing to do with our platform. Although it may be politically and socially easier for Rumble to join a cancel culture mob, doing so would be a violation of our com company's values and mission. We emphatically reject the UK Parliament's demand. That is a beast mode letter. Like, I actually get kind of hyped hearing that. Good on Rumble. Awesome. Sticking it to the UK Parliament. People who go after this cancel culture, Salem witch hunt crap, um are deplorable, which is exactly the word that Rumble uses. The fact that a government would reach out to a private U.S. company and ask them to apply pressure monetarily um, and and uh, reduce free speech in America is is a real cause for concern. And I, I, I suppose my point with all of this and what I want to bring up is that it's time to stop trusting the tech overlords and the government working together. Uh, I mean, from this instance to the FBI colluding with uh, the former uh, former Twitter uh, in the 2020 election, this is a serious and a serious free speech issue. And to be honest, the tech overlords by themselves are quite dangerous. 
But in my opinion, what we're seeing is it's especially dangerous when the government, whether it's the U.S. government or an international government, gets involved with United States companies. Uh, it's really scary, and it is the number one threat to free speech, in my opinion. The thing that goes into my head, though, is that in order, so I thought to myself, I guess, in, in reading this and in thinking about myself, who of course could have a rape allegation happen to me at any moment. Uh, and I thought, what, on a, on a macro scale, what is a way where we can protect free speech? And what came into my head immediately was capitalism. What I realized was capitalism is the answer to protecting free speech. And it's no coincidence that the United States has kind of championed both at the same time. The reason why I say that is as these things happen, free speech friendly sites such as X or Rumble will get more growth because creators are going to feel safer. I feel way safer on X and Rumble. Unfortunately, they're not quite big enough right now to monetize in the same way as YouTube or other sites, but the market will save us overall. If YouTube continues on this track, I have no doubt that Rumble and X will overtake them. Obviously, they can't let that happen. And so I think there will be a tipping point where YouTube will have to back down and stop doing that on the same level. And I'm not saying that like YouTube is going to go out of business or anything. I'm saying capitalism creates correct incentives and it will allow for greater free speech because the creators will go where their speech is, is protected. Just this week, I was looking at radio, for instance, and I was looking like, what are the most popular radio shows? And the two kind of categories that are the most popular are finance and political commentary, specifically on the conservative side. And so despite what the left wants you to believe, there is a large, like the largest market is for conservative political commentary, and they cannot lose those. If they lose those, they will lose huge profit and they'll go to Rumble and X. And so I think we'll see competition there. And hopefully, if again, this is all hinging on the fact that we can protect free markets, but if we can, I believe we can protect free speech as well. Now, I just have two quick, so that was kind of the big story of the day, but I want to talk about two. And one, uh, one is like disappointing in a way. Um, but it points to a larger issue, which kind of brings me into the third thing that's going on this week, uh, which is uh, John Fetterman. If you don't know who John Fetterman is, uh, if you're wondering to yourself, like out of all of the politicians in Washington, who is the most incompetent? Uh, the answer would be John Fetterman. And it's pretty easy to see that. Like they say uh, that most people judge a book by its cover or for instance, like the like first impression if, if people ever just kind of talk to you about how first impressions are so important that is the definition of john fetterman because if you've ever seen john fetterman he's basically like a fat mario uh who doesn't wear um like honestly his clothes are much more casual than like a plumber's outfit uh it's usually like a like honestly if he showed up with some nice overalls and a hat he'd like to to congress or to, to set into the senate rather he would look a lot better than he does now because right now he has like baggy shorts and like a sweatshirt. He also like shows up in um, like, you know, like those ponchos that everyone has. Like everyone goes through a phase in high school where they wear like those ponchos, which Mexicans don't actually wear, but they're like made for Americans and everyone buys them in Tijuana or something. He wears those a lot as well. Um, basically, he shows up to the Senate in different things every week. But that's my favorite one is the poncho from from like high school. That's why I bring that up. Um, 
but is brought up the issue of a dress code for the Senate. And Americans overwhelmingly believe that this should be a thing. And I think it should be too. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a conservative. I'm a traditionalist at heart. And I think it's important to look good and, and represent your state well. Like I, I would personally be a, kind of offended if my senator from Utah showed up to the Senate wearing that. I'd be like, well, dude, you're representing our state. Like basically you're saying our state looks like crap. Um, which is fine. Like, I don't really care about Pennsylvania, which is where John Fetterman is from. But this is, anyway, it's neither here nor there, but it's brought up a question of, like, do we need to start enforcing a dress code for the Senate? This is what John Fetterman tweeted out this week. He said, if those jagoffs in the House stop trying to shut our government down and fully support Ukraine, then I'll save democracy by wearing a suit on the Senate floor next week. Um, I don't know how those things have anything to do with each other, but in a way he's right. I'll give John Fetterman some credit on this one. I think he's right in the fact that I don't think this is like a big issue right now. I don't think people need to be spending tons of time talking about it. But I think the reason why it ticks me off and the reason why I'm talking about it is because it reminds me that we lost a seat to this guy in Pennsylvania. Like that's why it makes me angry. Like I don't really care like if... Like, I care about my own senators, but, like, the Pennsylvania senator, I don't care what he does. But then I see him there with, like, his, like, pedo stash. Uh, sometimes it, like, changes every day, as, as Ben Shapiro and a couple other people have pointed out on Twitter. But the pedo stash is my favorite. But he's, like, sitting there with his pedo stash and his poncho in the Senate. And I'm like, oh, how did conservatives lose to him? Like, he can't even talk. And uh, the real, I mean, the reason why is because we we ran the worst candidates possible in battleground states, which kind of uh, brings me to the last point of the day, which is we relied on fairy dust in 22 rather than a strategy to win. And it seems like we're kind of headed the same direction in 2024, which brings me back to the third issue of the day, which is the second Republican uh, debate is this week. The second Republican debate. So speaking of 2024, we have the second Republican debate. It's on Wednesday. Just to give people a little information about it, it's going to be streamed on Rumble. Go support Rumble because they beast moded it against UK Parliament as well as Fox Business. Again, I'm not going to watch on Fox Business. Nothing against Fox. But if I can support Rumble, I'm going to do it. So I would encourage everyone to go to Rumble. They're co-sponsoring the event to qualify for this one. So the first one, they needed 1%. Uh, in a national poll, as well as 40,000 unique donors. This one, you need 3% in a national poll, and then you need 50,000 unique donors, as well as a couple other kind of more arbitrary things. Um, but honestly, I guess the story, in my opinion, with this is that I think the qualifications are super weak. I think that we need, to, we're basically down, in my mind at this point, to Trump, DeSantis, and Ramaswamy. And, and pretty much we're just down to Trump. He's probably going to win. But I think we owe it to the American people to have Trump debate with other Republicans to see if he can stand up um, to his polls, I guess. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, we don't really need a debate with Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and Mike Pence anymore. Like, it just doesn't matter. Uh, so as of now, all of those people I just listed have qualified in addition to Ramaswamy and DeSantis. So they'll be up there, unfortunately. Uh, the only difference between this debate and the last one is that we're not going to see, well, we won't see Trump. That happened last time. But Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson, as of now, has not qualified. And they have to qualify, I believe, by the morning of the debate. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. At least CBS and NBC haven't. And the, they don't think so, from what I've read. And from you know other sources, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. So essentially, I think 
we need to just get down to the top three. I really hope for the third debate, it can just be like DeSantis, Ramaswamy, and Trump. Not only would I would that be a great um, thing for the American people to see, but it would also be just great TV, <laughs> which I'm always here for because sometimes when you follow politics closely, you need to treat it a little bit like a game show uh, just to keep your sanity. Um, but it doesn't really make sense. I, like, I don't blame Trump for not going to this debate. It doesn't make sense for him to go and be attacked by these like lower level candidates that can't even get a tenth of his support, uh, the support that he has. But he should be fa- he should face a reckoning to DeSantis and, and Ramaswamy. Um, next Friday, by the way, I will be talking about it. I'll be giving my reactions from the debate. I always encourage people to go look at them so that you can really see who the best candidate is. Keep an open mind. Um, but stay tuned for next Friday for that analysis and uh, probably some some pretty funny content coming from that. But as always, guys, thank you so much for watching. Again, I just want to express my thanks to you for supporting me so I can get great things like this microphone. We'll continue to up the quality as time goes on. Consider subscribing if you haven't already, as well as check out my other content and Gulag America. Thanks, guys.